I'm Rodney Wittenberg. And I'm David Heitler Clevens. And this is Music, Music for, for the, the New, New Revolution. So, I guess by our intro, you've all figured out that this show is about forgiveness. And it was inspired by a conference that um, I was working on with uh, Bryn Mawr College. Uh, the School of Social Work and Social Justice presented a conference on forgiveness uh, about a year ago. And um, I was there to uh, produce some podcasts and um, help out with the production of the show. And I invited David to come along. It was a very powerful event. David and I were talking and we just felt that it's a difficult topic to deal with right now for some. But one of the things that was so powerful about the conference was the recognition of how much not forgiving and holding on to that uh, bitterness is destructive to the individual who is the one who needs to do the forgiving or should do or could do. I, I, I don't want to say uh, could, uh, shoulds, but, um, and it, and, and for me, one of the, one of the really inspiring things to do the show too was, um, for those of you out there who get a chance to take a look at this, uh, there's a really amazing interview between Maya Angelou and Dave Chappelle. And I think it's on Oxygen, or no, not Oxygen. I think it's on Oprah's network. I think it's Oprah's Heroes or something like that. Anyway, there's a scene in it where Dave is talking to Maya Angelou, and she's talking, and, and Dave goes, wow, I didn't realize that John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, and Martin were your friends. And she goes, yeah, they were not only icons and leaders, but they're people I knew. I was friends with them. They were close friends with me. And he and Dave asked the question, how are you not bitter? How are you not angry? And she responds with the wisdom that Maya Angelou has and saying, bitterness will eat you up inside. Bitterness will destroy you. But anger, you can do something with that. You can march it. You can write it down. You can turn it into theater, into song. You can change. You can evoke change. And so, what that also said to me was the process of forgiveness is necessary to get to a point of transformation or change. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing that comes up in our show periodically is what makes songs effective in getting across the message. And I think that one thing that we're especially going to find within this theme is that songs that tell a story, songs that have a narrative approach to the topic are going to be really prominent in what we're, we're going to explore. And, 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 you know, there's obvious reasons why that's an effective tool for getting across an idea, because when we get pulled into that story and we empathize with what's going on with the characters, with the people, um, you know, we, we're, we're more open to the ideas that are put across that way. So I think that's why sometimes so many political songs in general and, and other kinds of songs as well can be very effective in using that as a, as a method. Yeah, and, and, and the songs that we picked are pretty, pretty powerful and also are, we have so much information for this particular show, we decided to break it up into two parts. So in our first section, we're going to be talking with uh, Sharon Katz, who is a, a musician for, who or was born in South Africa. And in the second half, we will be talking with uh, John Flynn, who spends a lot of his uh, time when he's not being a touring folk singer, uh, working in prisons. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, to get things started, you want to introduce the first song, David? Yeah, so there's a wonderful duo called Small Potatoes, and they have this beautiful song called 1,000 Cranes, 1,000 Candles. And I could tell you all about what it's about, but I think it's such a great song, partly because you'll get the idea from hearing the story that's told, but it's, it's a beautiful story of forgiveness, of reconciliation. children's children but then came 1941 only one son would see the war end Joseph died marching in Batan Frank on the sands of Iwo Jima the day the bomb destroyed Japan she thanked God and Harry Truman She blamed the godless Japanese For having crushed her sweetest dreams One thousand candles for my sons Every day I will remember Far from her past Miss Nakamura still remembers She was six when she saw the flesh That turned the world to smoke and ashes Mother taught her daughter well Run from the fire to the river there she found a living hell But not a mother or a father Though she survived with just a scrape Her family vanished into space One thousand suns, a thousand craves Every day I will remember
written on the chart there at the foot end of the bed. They think I'm blind, but I can't read it. But I've read it every word, and every word it says is death. So confession, is that the reason that you came? Get it off my chest before I check out of the game. Since you mention it, well, there's 13 things I'll name. 13 crosses high above the cold Missouri waters. August 49, North Montana. The hottest day on record, and the forest tinder dry. Lightning strikes in the mountains. I was crew chief at the jump base I prepared the boys to fly Pick the drop zone C-47 comes in low Feel the tap Upon your leg that tells you go See the circle Of the fire down below Fifteen of us dropped above The cold Missouri water Gauge the fire, I'd seen bigger. So I ordered them to side hill, we'd fight it from below. We'd have our backs to the river. We'd have it licked by morning, even if we took it slow. But the fire crowned, jumped the valley just ahead. There was no way down. Headed for the ridge instead Too big to fight it We'd have to fight that slope instead Flames one step behind above The cold Missouri water Sky turned red Smoke was boiling Two hundred yards to safety Death was fifty yards behind I don't know why I just thought it I struck a match to waste high grass Running out of time Tried to tell them Step into this fire I've set We can't make it This is the only chance you'll get But they cursed me Ran for the rocks above instead I lay face down and prayed above The cold Missouri waters And when I rose like the phoenix In that world reduced to ashes There were none but two survived I stayed that night And one day after Carried bodies to the river Wondering how I stayed alive Thirteen stations Of the cross to mark their fall I've had my say I'll confess to nothing more I'll join them now, those that left me long before Thirteen crosses high above the cold Missouri waters Thirteen crosses high above the cold Missouri Two very powerful songs with a very different approach to the idea of forgiveness. We, we heard uh, Small Potatoes with 1,000 uh, Cranes, 1,000 Candles, and then uh, the Cry, Cry, Cry version of Cold Missouri Waters by James Keelahan, a great Canadian songwriter. And that second song, you know, really deals with the idea of whether or not you can forgive yourself uh, and, and sort of the idea of survivor's guilt. Um, so that's a very interesting, unique take on the on the topic. I think that part of the thing I noticed when we started looking around for songs about this topic is, you know, partly maybe because forgiveness is is sort of an unusual theme that there's a real wide variety of ways that songwriters have have approached the theme. Yeah, 
it, it's also interesting because it it <laughs> I, I guess I'll go out on a limb and say it seems like the the quality of these particular songs were are uh, well better than some of the other songs we uh, sometimes encounter and because they're not necessarily political it, it, they don't start off that way and again I, I know I have a little gripe about protests and political songs can not be as good as uh it's some other other types of songs mean i don't know why that is it's, it's kind of interesting but these songs all the songs we we found seem to have a a a depth and um and 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 a skill of of really good songwriting, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I wouldn't distinguish that from political songwriting. Maybe, but well, and in particular, you know, the Small Potatoes one mm -hmm. in making this point of um, how two people, one uh, a mother who lost sons in the in World War II fighting against the Japanese, and the other a young woman from Japan who survived. Hiroshima, the bombing of Hiroshima, and the fact that these two people have a relationship and have a reconciliation and come to understand each other is a very powerful anti-war message, really, at heart. Um, and so that's why, to me, that feels like a, a particularly political song, but it does it, like we talked about before, through telling a story, you know, through through that human interaction that comes out through the narrative. Yeah, and, and and this concept of forgiveness is so so important to the growth of each of us to, to the mm -hmm. individual. It, it reminds me of a a, a story. Um, I, I was lucky enough to interview John Lewis a few years ago, and uh, one of the questions I asked him was how how did, after Selma were you able to have interactions with you know people particularly <laughs> white people right. uh, after being beaten in by dog beaten by sticks and, and attacked by dogs and mm -hmm. and he really talked about uh what he talked about was it was too big a burden to bear like that anger that hate was too big a burden to bear and he, he referenced martin luther king and talking about how if you didn't get that burden off of you you were not going to be helpful or useful to the movement uh, mm -hmm. or the cause you would you, you just it just wouldn't work mm -hmm. and um he told me this beautiful story about how many 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 years later when he was a sitting congressman how this person made an appointment to come see him from his district and um walked into the office and said mr lewis this is my son and I want him to hear me say this. I'm the one who beat you. And I wanted to say, I'm sorry. Mm. And I wanted to apologize to you. And I wanted my son here to hear me say this to you. And that to me is, is what for this whole show is about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's very powerful. It really, I think that, that sometimes people think of forgiving as somehow something weak and, and stories like that to me are so clearly the opposite that the, that, there's that incredible, powerful strength in the act of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, uh, just to go a, a 180 here, sometimes I think one of the best ways to make a point is to go the opposite way. So mm -hmm. in both parts, I thought it would be fun to have a revenge song, <laughs> okay. almost as a cautionary tale, I think these songs are. You know, so that it, sh it proves the opposite, you know, the, the, the sort of the pointlessness of living for revenge. And the, the one that we wanted to include in this one is, is from the great group, the Decemberists. And this is the Mariner's Revenge Song. We are two mariners, a ship's sole survivors in this belly of a whale. Its ribs are ceiling beams, its guts are carpeting. I guess we have some time to kill. Remember me, I was a child of three And you a lad of eighteen But I remember you, and I will relate to you How our history's in a weave
Reclaimed our small estate And my poor mother lost her mind Then one day in spring My dear sweet mother died But before she did I took her hand as she dying cried It took me 15 years to swallow all my tears Among the urchins in the street Until a priory took pity and hired me To keep their vestry nice and neat But never once in the employ of these holy men Did I my mind from the thought of revenge oh. One night I overheard the prior exchanging words with a penitent whaler from the sea The captain of his ship who matched you toe to tip was known for one cruelty fateful night we had you in our sight after 20 months at sea with your starboard flank of beam 
I was getting my muskets clean when came this rumbling from beneath. The ocean shook, the sky went black, and the captain survived the crew all was chewed alive I must have slipped between his teeth but oh what providence what divine intelligence that you should survive as well as me it gives my heart great joy to see your eyes fill with fear so lean in close and Sharon Katz is a really wonderful and inspiring person. We're lucky to have her living part of the year here in the Philadelphia area when she's not back in her homeland of South Africa. And we, because she's often in this area, we had the opportunity to actually have her come in and talk to us in the studio rather than doing it over the phone like we usually do. So here's a little bit of our interview with Sharon Katz. So we are honored to have Sharon Katz in the studio with us. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, it's a pleasure. Glad to be here in your presence. Yes. That's awesome. So actually, that leads me to my first question. I think we talked a little bit about Mandela having to, basically a whole country having to have experience forgiveness. And I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. It's a huge thing to talk about, but um, of course I can I can try and try and summarize it a little bit. But you know, South Africa, we know we think about South Africa. You think about apartheid. Um, you think about a nation or a country of over forty-four million people being oppressed by a minority of a mere seven million whites. Mm-hmm that controlled um, for over 40 years. And I mean, prior to that as well, but apartheid as a regime was in place for for over 40 years and undermined the majority of people in in the country. And when you're dealing with a majority like that and a huge, huge amount of people that have been basically oppressed, enslaved, mistreated, abused, kept down, lack of education, lack of resources, discriminated against, relegated to live in in substandard conditions and for no reason other than race, um, which isn't a reason, 
but um, the powers that be did that to the people. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a huge amount of rage, anger, um, you know, just terrible, terrible conditions that people lived in. And so to have someone like Nelson Mandela then come out of jail after 27 years, he's in jail, and then start talking about forgiveness, it's, it's, it's unheard of. Right. It's unheard of. And the people, for the most part, were like, what? How can we do this? You know, what are you talking about, forgiveness? Um, I'm talking truth now, not necessarily all the platitudes, um, because, yes, of course, the world, for the world to see, it was Mandela came from out from jail talking about forgiveness, and, and the whole country just said yes. But <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> such a simple no. matter, because right. people, certainly my friends that were um, our black South African friends that were heavily involved in the struggle, many were like, hey, how can we do this? What are you talking about? This is crazy. But mm-hmm. Mandela, in his wisdom and with the support of his cabinet-to-be and his comrades, you know, and the all the other forces and, and people that were trying to maintain calm in South Africa, saw good reason to calm people down with this compassion, forgiveness, let's work together. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked. If it hadn't worked, we wouldn't have the South Africa that we have today. Mm-hmm. With all of our issues, all of our problems, we've got plenty of those. But um, we have an atmosphere in South Africa which works. People work together. People want to work together and they want to see the future together and and that was that's a miracle i mean that's like was amazing he rose you know he rose to become the man that he was and then of course all of his years in prison gave him a lot of time to think and strategize yeah mm-hmm. and to mastermind the whole thing um but you know, I just personally, I just feel honored to have been touched by this man, you know, to have been, you know, moved spiritually and, and emotionally and to have met him when he came out of jail and to have been able to raise up the project that we raised up, the Peace Train Project, which mm. really epitomized what he was talking about. He talked about the Rainbow Nation. We were living the Rainbow Nation with our our project, the Peace Train, bringing children together of all different races, which had never been done before. I mean, I'm excited to know that it's being done now, but back then it wasn't happening. We were segregated. There was no way that you could bring people together on a stage of that magnitude. So... And then to raise raise up the project and travel around the country on the train during those times, which it was still violence, and, you know, leading up to the elections. Ah, that was a peace train project mm-hmm. and still is. But there are no times to match what happened in South Africa. It was like unbelievable change at such a rapid pace. At the time when Mandela was released from prison, between the time that he was released, um, which is 1990, and his election in 1994, there were those four years was when we we raised the the, the peace train, and it was whew, an incredible time of of, of change, just mm-hmm. massive amounts of change, and and then this, as you're talking about forgiveness, this atmosphere that was created that said. You know, we, we just cannot descend into chaos. Mm-hmm. It's important. It's critical. We have to survive as a nation, as a country. We must work together. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel privileged. I really do. I feel humbled mm-hmm. by my experience. So we're going to be hearing the beautiful tribute to Mandela that you wrote. Do you want to say a little bit about how that song came about mm-hmm. and uh, you know how you came to write it and what went into that process? Absolutely. Well, I wrote that particular song post-Peace Train South mm-hmm. Africa experience. Mm-hmm. I happened to be in, in the States when I wrote that song. 
around about 2002, I think. And I was working with Rodney, you might remember mm. Bolden Abrams. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He was, had a company called Coffee and Cream Music mm -hmm. Publishing. Yeah. And he was very creative. We wrote a few songs together. And one day I, well, I met him here in Philly. And one day I came to him and I said, I've got this hook. You know, I was driving and this chant came in, into my head. And it was Mandela, oh Mandela, oh. And we sat down and we wrote the lyrics mm -hmm. together and put mm -hmm. the song together. And I recorded it in... Philadelphia with the rhythm section and then went to South Africa and recorded the vocals, guitar, an additional guitar. And that track just came out, put it onto the, this album, Imbizo. I called it Imbizo because Imbizo is a gathering of people. It's a traditional gathering. It's normally in a rural area on the mountainside and all the chiefs come on the horseback and they sit around. That's a true Imbizo. Um, but Imbizo can also just mean a meeting. So uh, I called it Imbizo, the album. And we actually had a Grammy nomination for that album. It was very, very well received. Mm -hmm. And yeah, lovely, lovely album. But I love that song. Uh, it talks about Mandela, his life, and um, talks about the spirit that we need to, what we're talking about here today. Mm -hmm. mm. And I think we just wanted to put out the history a little bit like, 27 years in jail. Mm -hmm. They couldn't break his spirit. He sang behind the prison walls. The whole world could hear it. You know, it was just mm -hmm. more like more global, more, you know, more inspirational in a sense, you mm -hmm. know. You mentioned you wrote the song with Bolden. How, what was that process like? How did that happen? It's so funny that you asked that question because Bolden was just a joy to work with. He really was fun. We had we had loads of fun. We used to work until like three, four in the morning. He would arrive at my my place with a bag of scraps of paper with words written on them. And then he'd just pour them out on the couch. <laughs> and you know, he'd just take a he, because he had his favorite, you know, words and and he'd say, Does this work? Does that work? Oh wait, let's Take out his, he was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. We had so much fun. Mm -hmm. But everything about Bolden was all about creativity. So that, that was what we did. And we would just mm -hmm. find the right words and then we'd try it. And I, mm -hmm. I had this little, back in the day, I had this little cassette. Can you believe it? Multi-track mm -hmm. recording mm -hmm. device. And I'd try out different ideas and we'd record. And, we'd, you know, it was just, it was just a flow. Yeah. It was an incredible flow. And until it clicked like mm -hmm. a jigsaw puzzle.
Even I wrote another song, I haven't released it yet, about mm -hmm. Mandela when he passed away. I've performed it many times mm -hmm. and it's been, but I haven't put it on an album yet. Mm. Can Mandela. you sing a little bit of it now? <laughs> yep. I wrote it quite a while ago, this song. And I performed it with the 100 singers mm. on our tour last year. We took 100, 100 young people around the United States for a tour of, we called it the 2016 Peace Train Tour, putting the United back in the USA. Mm -hmm. And we sang the song. Mandela. Rest in peace and guide the world. You have done your work. You led us all. Rest in peace and guide the world. Salakahotzotata. Now it's our turn. You taught us well. You taught us well. Beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. What a treat. And what's the Thank translation? You. Little impromptu there. Mm -hmm. Siabonga just means we thank you. Oh, okay. And hambagahle is go well. Mm. Go well. Hambagahle Mandela. Madiba was Mandela's clan mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. And rest in peace. Salakahots. Oh, okay. So you're saying it in English and then saying it in. Hamagakli is Zulu Oposa and Salakahotso. Hotso is Sesutu. Salaste, rest in peace. Salakahotso Tata. Tata's grandfather. 
So he's affectionately known as Tata. It's a very multilingual song, as as your country is. Yeah, Yeah, it is. is. How how many official languages are there? Eleven. Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. Eleven official languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. And I noticed that you had the tempo change was there, um, or or feel changes. It was that there was there a message in there for like was there a shift that happened? That musical shift happens. What were you thinking emotionally, or what were you? Well, it's about jubilation. You know, mm-hmm. it's about celebration as well. You can't talk about Mandela without. Li, 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 li. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 all about celebrating. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that I played it now mm-hmm. was very different from um, the live show. Uh-huh. The live show was slamming because yeah. we have dancers and we have the, yeah. the whole the whole that whole middle section is. I get I I get it. It's now more the, like yeah. a music video. Yeah, no, but Maybe I get it. Like. Like this sort of, not necessarily somber beginning, but sort of an honoring in the beginning, and then the jubilant celebration, and then back to an honoring. You know, I think a lot of people in this country have their images of Mandela are often from movies. And I wonder if you have a favorite, you know, Color of Freedom or Invictus or, you know, is there a movie that you felt captured well, even just one aspect of, of the man um, or, or a critique? I mean, maybe you have some feelings about the way it's been portrayed in movies that you didn't like. There have been a lot of movies with Mandela, mm-hmm. but I must say I really did like Long Walk to Freedom. Did mm-hmm. you see that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I thought, it, it, does he pronounce his name? Idris or Idris? Idris. Idris mm-hmm. Elba, right? Mm-hmm. I thought he did a wonderful job portraying Mandela and as well as um, Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. right? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Invictus was excellent. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. the scene when he when he reaches out to his the secretaries in the civil service that are expecting that their days are over now working in Pretoria. And I actually know the building and I've actually been in to the mm-hmm. building to visit, not Mandela, but one of the ministers that, you know, that we were very close to, Jeff Khadebe from KwaZulu-Natal, and when he went to work in Pretoria. So I was in the building, and I, I could understand the whole situation. And Man- But Mandela just reaching out that way, and uh, you're sort of alleviating their fears and say, look, we need to work together, and I-, I want you to stay on my team. And they were so surprised because they were white Afrikaans, mm-hmm women that had been working for the old government and now here was this black South African man that had been in prison who they'd been taught to fear and hate and now he was not only their boss but president of the entire country and it's a scene that stands out mm-hmm. to me that yeah. I think they really they really captured it. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm all for all of these kinds of movies. Yeah. Um, well, it really gets across a lot of what we've been talking about this this idea yeah. that you know how powerful that those moments are mm. that that Mandela is such an example of 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 surprising people by not wanting revenge by you know by by coming back from all of this mistreatment that he'd suffered and being better than that. And, and showing Just taking the higher way. ground, exactly. always, yeah. always. I mean, if we could, uh, I was listening to some of the speeches this morning before I came. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put on the speeches, Mandela speeches at mm-hmm. the Ravonia trial, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just listening to the way he spoke. He was brilliant, brilliant. The way he he spoke to the the judges, mm-hmm. you know, who of course they were gonna they they were being tried for treason, mm-hmm. you know. And we all know the stories, and the story that the story that came that they portrayed in Long Walk to Freedom was just so true to life about how they raided the farm, the Ravonia farm, you know, and on and on and on. But Mandela was a brilliant man, and that's the thing that I I really take my hat off to to Black South Africans that have been able to take over the reins of of government um, and speak multiple languages. This is something that we. We really need to respect. And in Pretoria, in the seat of the Afrikaans government, mm-hmm. the only language I spoke was Afrikaans, which is not spoken anywhere else in the world, right? They couldn't speak the Queen's English the way Mandela spoke English. I'm just putting it in a very tactful way. And, you know, 
the brilliance of our leaders that came into power, it, it, it really can't be underestimated. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, mm. it, it's absolutely amazing. So yeah. I thought that, the, I think that the films are great because they, and I also love Danny Glover in the earlier films, mm -hmm. Danny Glover and, and, and Alfre. I met them both in South Africa, Danny, mm -hmm. Danny and Alfre Woodard. In fact, I was on a TV show with, mm -hmm. with, with Alfre. Um, they were telling the stories of South Africa before, you know, before the ending mm -hmm. of apartheid. And mm -hmm. I, I, it's been amazing to, yeah. to, to witness, really mm -hmm. has. It's interesting. Um, you know, we, we're, we're talking about your music in relation to forgiveness and, um, just this morning saw the most interesting art, um, thing online, and I have to do some more little research to find out what's actually true, but apparently uh, down in the south somewhere, um, a group of uh, white people drove by a, a black kid's party and were screaming all this craziness, and they had the Confederate flag, and they were saying they were going to kill them and all this sort of stuff, and at the hearing... The two people who were kind of leading this thing, they were sentenced to, one was sentenced to 13 years in jail, the other was sentenced to seven, and they were, and the um, mother of the kid who was having the birthday party was there, uh, the black woman, and she forgave them. She stood up and said, no, I forgive you. And I thought, wow, just like at the church a couple of years ago with, mm. um, was it Dylan Roof? They forgave him. In Charleston. In Charleston, Charleston yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And it 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 it, uh, it is awesome using awesome in the in the true sense of the word that people can bring up that sense of I, I guess it's unconditional love or the love that comes from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that they can have that strength to forgive someone who's wronged them. So that is amazing. I know. I know. It's something that. You know, you we read about it in mm. in in Buddhist books, and you know all the all the mm -hmm. religious all the religious texts talk about this. But to actually do it, to actually feel it, and be mm -hmm. able to, when you've been so wronged, mm -hmm. to do it for the for the larger, greater good, I think is 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 really amazing. And, and as a South African, I I deeply, deeply admire and respect. Uh, my black South African friends for being able to embrace mm -hmm. not only me, but, you know, the future of, mm -hmm. of, of living together in, in a new South Africa. And certainly mm -hmm. here, if, oh, it saddens us, really. It really saddens us to, to see what's happening in America. We don't want to see it mm -hmm. here in America, but I don't have to tell you, Rodney, you know, you, you, yeah. you know mm -hmm. on the deepest level. That, uh, mm -hmm. This has always been. It's it, it mm -hmm. never ended uh, racism here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but to 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 find areas and pockets where people do can set an example to others, mm -hmm. and 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 certainly the younger generation mm -hmm. to not live with bitterness and hatred. Mm -hmm. it, it it's 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 admirable. It mm -hmm. really is truly admirable. And I think mm -hmm. that once again, I, I feel really privileged that I was able to mount the Peace Train project because mm -hmm. the reason for doing so was to give young people in particular an opportunity to come together and to all races, black, mm -hmm. white, mm -hmm. Indian, and, and biracial people in South Africa called colored, or were called mm -hmm. colored by the apartheid regime. Mm -hmm. And still refer to themselves as colored because it's not going to yeah. just go away. Mm -hmm. I mean, my son is colored. He's not going to say anything else. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. We're all human beings. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, having had that opportunity to raise up this generation of young people mm -hmm. and, and to spread it through music and all of the projects that we've done as the Peace Train, um, it's been phenomenal. And, and particularly the peace train, the, the experience of living together on the train. You saw the documentary, mm -hmm. Dave. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Living inspiring. together. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was an ex a social experiment. It was really like, okay, let's see if we all living together visibly. Mm -hmm. The TV cameras are filming. We're on TV. We're performing together at this time in 1993 before elections. If we can do this 
the country should be able to do it. That was the that was the mm-hmm. that was the purpose, mm-hmm. and it really did work. You know, it was yeah. I mean, very exhilarating, yeah. jubilant experience. Mm-hmm. It's great having an opportunity to talk to you two guys. Yes, it's great to talk with you, you too. too. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much for coming. That's a great pleasure. Okay. I wish you luck with this, and I think it's it's good what you're doing. People need a lot of inspiration yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, Sharon, thank you. Yes, thank Very you much. so much thank for joining you. us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Ngea bonga kakulu.
So that was the story with Grace in Gravity to finish up our South African segment with the wonderful interview with Sharon Katz. And we'd like to thank Sharon for stopping by and sharing her stories, songs, and spirit with us. Uh, Be on the lookout for our new website, as well as a Spotify playlist that we'll be creating, uh, which will be a more immediate response to some of the things that are happening or that are reported in the news. Music for the New Revolution is written, edited, and produced by Rodney Wittenberg and David Heidler-Clevens. It's recorded and engineered at Melody Vision Studios in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. All music used in this program is for promotional and educational purposes only. You can find out more information about Music for the New Revolution on our Facebook page. I'm Rodney Wittenberg. I'm David Heitler-Clevens. And thanks for listening to Music for the New Revolution. Will not be televised. Will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.